welcome to book part three. If you recall from book part two, I left off where I had just met Def Leppard uh, June 2nd, 1983 in Hampton, Virginia. In the Hampton Coliseum parking lot, I had just met the guitar player, Phil Collin, along with my two girlfriends, and he asked us politely to show him to where a local Army-Navy surplus store was. Go back and listen to part two. It's pretty cool. Anyhow, I forgot to mention in book part two that it was great meeting Gary Moore, who was the opening act. I had massaged his hand before the show because that was part of the deal. Please let me and my girlfriends in for free. I'll give everybody back massages. That was the deal. Free massages in exchange for free tickets and passes, yeah? The band liked it so much, they said, hey, guess what? We do have other shows coming up. They said, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, maybe we'll see you at other shows on our tour. And I was like, oh. And there was no internet back then. Please remember. There's no internet back then. It wasn't that easy to track down your your favorite rock star back then. So, um, school got out in Virginia Beach. That was the 10th grade. School got out. I was done. Uh, I really didn't want to live anymore in Virginia Beach because this is what happened. Once school got out, my dad and my stepmom said, you know what? We're leaving Virginia Beach. I'm like, are you, are you kidding? They're like, no, we're moving to Georgia. We're moving to Lithia Springs, Georgia. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I didn't say that to my, my dad. I, I never swore to my parents. I was like, I don't, I don't know anybody in Georgia. I don't want to move anymore. I'm tired of moving. I want to go. I want to go home. I want to go back to Connecticut. I'm I'm really tired of moving around, you know, I mean, my whole life, every fucking year we moved, we moved. The longest I ever was anywhere was like two years. That was the longest. Newport, Rhode Island and Virginia Beach, that was like a two hit, a two time, two year period. Other than that, it was just passing through, passing through. So I had to say goodbye to all my friends in Virginia Beach and moved. <laughs> if you think I was wild in Virginia Beach, you have no idea. I moved back to Ellington, Connecticut. Conveniently at the time of these Def Leppard shows. June 26, 1983, Hartford, Connecticut. And I do believe they also played in Providence, Rhode Island. And I went to that show as well. Oh, and in, at the Hartford 1983 Def Leppard show, Crocus opened for them. And the guitar player, Chris Von Rohr, was really, really, really happy to meet me. He was extremely smitten on me. And I don't think he knew how old I was. I don't think he'd give a fuck because I wasn't dressed my age. By the way, my mother at this time was living in Springvale, Maine. With her lesbian lover, Kathy Amadon. And yeah, my mom met this woman when we lived in Dover, New Hampshire. I was like 12. And she got 
tired of men. So she started dating this very butch woman named Kathy Amadon, who she met at the Navy recruiting center. And um, anyhow, my mom moved in with her in a house in Springvale, Maine. It was a residential neighborhood, but my mom didn't care. She still got a couple horses and kept them in the garage. She turned Kathy Amadon's garage into a stable. <laughs> the neighbors did not like this because the horses got out all the time. They would jump their stall and fucking end up running down this road and that road. And the police were always chasing the horses. It was crazy. So apparently my dad let my mom have my brother and sister supposedly just for the summer. And so I was bouncing around. I went from Virginia Beach brought all my shit and settled in a spare room at my granddad slash aunt's house. My granddad's house, but my aunt Karen also lived there. My aunt Karen's only six years older than me. So I remember this house because when I was like, you know, age one to five, I was there a lot. And um, so they let me live in the middle room and I completely and utterly wallpapered it with Rolling Stones posters. Okay, there's pictures of that, like... There was not one little inch of that room that didn't have a picture of the Rolling Stones on it. I had Rolling Stones curtains, Rolling Stones phone, Rolling Stones bedspread. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah. And, but, so I settled in there and then I also went up to Maine to visit my mom and she was a fucking slave driver, made me babysit my brother and sister. So I'm like, let's see, 1983, I'm still, I'm still not yet 16. In June 20, June 26, 1983, I was still 15. But I looked smoking, I mean, for my age. I looked older, okay? You would not, you would look at me and think I was 20, for sure. Tight, tight jeans, really, really tight peg leg jeans. Um, capris, I guess they call them. High heels. I raided my Aunt Karen's closet, by the way. While she was at work. I'm like, we had the same size feet. So I was wearing her fucking gorgeous pumps and tops. and I mean, she was a bit bigger than me, but still, you know, I had the older woman's wardrobe going on. She didn't know that. And my mom also, I was getting some clothes. from. My mom was encouraging that shit. She's like, yeah, yeah, wear this dress like this. Hell yeah. <laughs> so when I was in Springfield, Maine... I was, my mom was working third shift, seems to be a common thread in this family and in her life. So she would work all night and sleep all day and there was no school. So I was in charge of watching my brother and sister. Now, if I'm 15, my sister is seven years younger than me and my brother was nine years younger than me. So I couldn't really have fun. Everywhere I went, I had to bring them. There was a watering hole in Sanford, Maine, which is the next town over. And I would want to go swimming there every day and meet guys. And I'd have to bring my brother and sister. And they were a huge pain in the ass. Huge. I had them all fucking day. Okay. I had, was responsible for them. I didn't drive. So I had to walk with them to the next town, spend the whole day at the swimming hall. They were a pain in the ass. And by the time we got home, my sister would think it's hilarious to tattletale on me, say, oh, yeah, Dot had some sparklers and it scared me. And my mom, without even asking me, without even saying, is this true? Oh, my mom would just beat me. 
She never even asked. My, and my sister thought that was hilarious. My sister's a Scorpio. We get along now, okay, but, you know, she thought that was hilarious. So let's see if I'm 15 and she's seven years younger. She was eight, okay? So she was an annoying eight-year-old, just like my son is right now. And, you know, when we're at the house, my mom's like, okay, I want you to wash dishes, feed your brother and sister, fold this fucking laundry, da 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 So I'm doing all this housework, age 15, and trying to have fun. And my sister would be like, I want to watch this. I'm like, but I'm folding laundry. Please just let me watch this. And she would scream. And my mom would wake up because she's working third shift, come out into the living room, not even ask what happened, beat the fuck out of me and go back to bed. And my sister was laughing her ass off. She thought that was hilarious to get me beat all the time. Ha ha fucking ha. Okay. I hated it there, but I enjoyed riding my, my horse Buster. Yeah, my mom had an Appaloosa named Buster and a Arabian horse named Sarah Bashan, a.k.a. Jessica. So I would ride Buster any chance I could get. You know, on the weekends when my mom was home, I would get on Buster and I'd ride it all over town. Not, it's not a kind of town where you're supposed to be riding horses, by the way, but I did. And there were some trails in the woods and I would ride the horse. Our next door neighbor's name is Jeff, was Jeff Jakes. Jeff Jakes. And he and I are still friends on Facebook. He lives in Washington, D.C. now. Apparently, he was, he's very successful. I don't know what he does. Something secretive, probably politics. But I think he's like one or two years younger than me. And he was always like spying on me. He would climb a tree to, to look at me sunbathing on the porch. Ha ha, Jeff, I'm throwing you under the bus. Ha ha. Um, but we never did kiss or anything. I don't know why. He was not my type. Whatever. Um, sometimes my mom would beat me and I would get on the horse, no saddle, just reins, and fucking run off into the woods and sleep on the horse. I slept a couple different nights out in the forest with the fucking horse. (laughs) And they were petrified, but I was safe. I was on my horse. I loved it. And I shoveled a lot of horse shit, by the way. That was another thing. That's why I was so fit. I never had time to, to get fat or out of shape. Shovel shit, do dishes, do the laundry, take care of your brother or sister, vacuum, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like Cinderella, whatever. I'm not looking for sympathy. This is all the stuff that made me who I am today. It made me strong as fucking hell. I'm tough as nails, okay, because of the shit I came from. My mom was so abusive. Oh, I did meet a beautiful, beautiful guy in uh, Springvale, Maine, I think he lived in Sanford, actually. His name was um, Brian. Was his last name Griffin? Because I know another guy in Connecticut named Brian Griffin. Anyways, this guy had blonde curly hair. And he signed the back of his picture and said, Don't forget, the Beatles are the best. That's so cute. So cute. I do have his picture somewhere. He was adorable. Anyways... I think he was like 17 and I was 15. Anyways, my mom's like, you need to stay home and babysit your brother and sister. I have stuff to do. So I'm like, there's no cell phones back then, okay? Because obviously I'm a dinosaur. There was no fucking cell phones back then. Um, I decided to take my brother and sister to the local carnival. There was a carnival in downtown Sanford. I couldn't call my mom because there's no cell phone. So I'm like, oh, let's just go to the carnival. We show up at the carnival. 
um, walking around, trying to get in line to go on some rides and get some cotton candy and shit. There's my fucking mom, hand in hand with the guy I was seeing, Brian. I had, I was, I wasn't even 15 yet. So this is, this must have been the summer before. Okay. I wasn't 15 yet. I wasn't. This was because my mom lived in Springvale for a couple different years. So this was the summer before. I was not 15. I was 14. Anyways, she was hand in hand with Brian kissing him. So my mom was shagging my boyfriend behind my back. I'm like, whatever. Fucking. So Mrs. Robinson. Mm. There's that. So where are we going from this? Okay. So yeah, anyways, that was obviously 1982. Scroll back to 1983 when I was just there visiting quickly because I had stationed myself in Connecticut at my granddad's house. My granddad, um, his wife, which you would say is my grandma, my grandma, but these are my adoptive family. So it's my dad who adopted me's dad and my dad who adopted me's mom. My, the, the grandmom, Peggy, was put in a nursing home because she had MS, unfortunately. I remember when I was little, she lived in that house in Ellington, 14 Penfield Avenue. That, that house is on a dead-end street. It's called 14 Penfield Avenue. And when my dad adopted me, I was one years old, and he married my mom. And my dad's last name is Lechner, and the Lechner house is in Ellington. And when I was little, I remember Peggy living in that middle room. And Karen and Nancy, my dad's younger sisters, who are like, like I said, they're six, seven years older than me. They wanted to party and they ignored their mom and it was horrible. So they put her in a nursing home because nobody could take care of her anymore. However, fast forward to 1983. I'm 15. I'm new in town again, shiny and new. Because I'm not, I haven't been to Connecticut. I haven't lived in Connecticut for ages since I'm like five or something. So I'm basically new. However, my aunt Karen, like, so if I'm 15, it's 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I think my, my aunt Karen was like 22 or something, maybe. Um, she, hang on, let's see if she was 28 in 86. Let's see, she's 61 now. So Okay, so my Aunt Karen's like eight or nine years older than me. She had a bunch of, uh, tons of friends because she's lived there her whole life. So she's like, oh, this is my niece, Dot. And obviously her male friends were, you know, were like, oh, wow, you know. And I was like, whatever, dude. And I, I had my eyes set on Joey Ramone. I wanted to meet Joey, and that's when I met Joey. Anyways, so the women in that town were just like, they did not want anything to do with me. They were like, fuck you. Who is this new girl? Because now let's get back to fashion again. I don't give a fuck about fashion, but let's talk about this. I had moved from Virginia Beach up to Connecticut. Okay. So I've already, before that, I went from Newport, Rhode Island, wearing chamois shirts or um, flannel shirts and Levi's jeans and Timberland boots. I had to get rid of all that clothes, all that wardrobe, because in Virginia Beach, the girls don't dress like that. They wear checkered vans, mini skirts, and shirts that go right below the breast, you know, like half shirts, you know, those tacky 80s shirts that go, 
stomach free. They can see your stomach. They go right below your breasts. Like I was wearing those kind of clothes and I had started to make my hair very blonde. And the girls were just not, they're like, uh, they were wearing jeans and flannel shirts. Okay. So now I look different again. I'm coming up from Virginia beach looking like a beach babe and the girls in Connecticut are, you know, country bumpkins wearing fucking hiking boots. All right. And I I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try to blend in anymore. I don't care. I'm not changing my wardrobe again. I'm fucking done. I'm starting to get more confident. Age 15. Take it or leave it. This is how I'm dressing. I don't want to fit in anymore. So I went to see Def Leppard, June 26, 1983 at the Hartford Civic Center. And I went to all the other area shows. I know there was one in Providence, Rhode Island. I remember it. I went to all the area shows and um, was massaging, just giving back. I wasn't bringing a massage table with me. I didn't have a car or the money to get a massage table. I would just carry some oil with me and give people hand massages, back massages to get me and my friends in for free. That's all I cared about. And we were buddies. Phil from Def Leppard took me under his wing, made sure that I was on the guest list and my friends and everything. And um, Crocus loved me. I got some handwritten letters from Chris Von Rohr from Switzerland. He's the guitar player from Crocus. He was sending me pictures and shit to my dad's house in Lithia Springs, Georgia, <laughs> sending me pictures of himself cutting wood in Switzerland. It's so I have them somewhere. It's hilarious. Black and white pictures of himself dressed like a fucking, um, what do you call it? Like a, a Viking. I know Vikings are not from Switzerland or from Scandinavia, but he literally looks like a Viking cutting wood. It's so cute. But I'm like, dude, I'm too young for you. But we were, we, stayed friends and stuff you know it was really funny so I went to lots of concerts so um every concert that came I I wanted to go to so let's see I need to google this one because this this brings me to the David Bowie Hartford Hartford Connecticut I think it was 1983 it was a serious moonlight tour uh, let's see this is how I can help my memory here with the fucking internet. So, all right. Serious Moonlight Tour. Mm-hmm. Here we go. July. So one month later after the Def Leppard, not even a month later. July 16th, 1983. I'm still 15, people. Have not turned 16 yet. I turned 16 in October. So, um, again, my Aunt Karen was, had some corporate job. And she, my Aunt Karen was hot, by the way, back then. She had blonde hair and big boobs, and she was she had really sexy clothes, and she had a corporate job, and she was dating some guy named Paul. So I didn't have any supervision. My Aunt Karen was working all day somewhere in Enfield or something, and my granddad was working at Pratt & Whitney, and then after work, every single day, like clockwork, he would go to the Maple Grove Club in Rockville, Connecticut. That's where he... It was like a, a veterans club, kind of, and that's where he would drink and have fun with his friends and stuff. I mean, he was sad because his wife had MS. He really loved his wife. His wife got MS. So he would, you know, have a, have a beer or two after work, needless to say. He wouldn't come home till eight or nine at night. And my Aunt Karen had stuff to do. So here's me, 15 years old, 
no supervision at all. Zero. All right. There's no school. It's summer. I'm 15. My Aunt Karen has a closet full of hot clothes. <laughs> and David Bowie's coming to town. Mm-hmm. I put on some pale, pastel, pink. These are the kind of pants I was wearing at the time. They did not come to the bottom. So they were like, I guess you could call them capris, but they were very, very tight at the bottom. And they usually zipped at the bottom. So ankle free, you could see the ankles. They were very, very light pink, almost white, cotton, stretchy pants. And I had my typical silver spaghetti strap shirt on, the one I wore when I wanted to look older, because I needed to be taken seriously. If I would show up wearing, I don't know, a monkey's t-shirt and some jogging pants, I would look, I would definitely look 15. So I would grab some stilettos out of my Aunt Karen's closet and take a bus from Ellington slash Rockville to Hartford, Connecticut. I know it's annoying that I burp. I can't help it. I'd get on the bus alone. Daytime, okay? I learned my lesson already back in Virginia at the Cars concert. I learned my lesson. Don't try to go to a concert late in the afternoon or at night if you want to meet the band because it's too late then. Security is beefed up. Forget it. The guest list is done. You have no chance. You're done. Forget it. I already I found that out the first time. I'm a quick learner, okay? So I went to the Bowie show, and I had already been to the Hartford Civic Center for Def Leppard. So the people who worked there kind of remembered me, and I knew my way around. And plus, I showed up at noon, maybe even 1 p.m. I think, like between noon and 1 p.m. Didn't have a watch, didn't have a cell phone, got off the bus, changed my shoes, took off my sneakers, put them in a bag, and put my stilettos on, and casually moseyed on down the familiar ramp that goes to the backstage area of the Hartford Civic Center, where all the tour buses go and the trucks that bring all the equipment. Saw the same guy behind the plexiglass that I saw a few weeks before at the Def Leppard show. Waved at him. He waved back at me. He was on the phone. Didn't bother coming out saying hello. As soon as I started walking down that ramp, by the way, I could hear music. They were doing sound check. And they were playing China Girl when I walked backstage. And um, I kept walking until I saw... The production office, the door was open. There was a guy on the phone, looked pretty angry. He was yelling at someone on the phone. I come in the production office. He looks at me and kept talking to whoever it was he was on the phone with. And he um, slams down the phone. He goes, can I help you? I go, um, yeah. And he goes, um, who are you? And I go, my name's Dot. And he goes, what can I do for you? I go, well, I'm pretty sure I'm one of David Bowie's biggest friends. He goes, oh, aren't we all, love? Aren't we all? You know, seriously, what can I do for you? And then David walks in to the production office, towel thrown over his shoulder, no shirt, swing, bit sweaty, wearing gray jogging pants, rolled up a bit. Um, oh, God. He was, so, he was so beautiful. Blonde hair, little tiny bit of eye makeup on. I was like, Oh, God, he's so gorgeous. Anyways, they start talking to each other. 
asking about transportation and stuff. And David um, looks at me and grabs my hand, kisses my hand and says, and who are you, love? Uh, I can't do it, the Cockney accent. And I was like, my name is Dot. And he's like, hello, Dot. And he's like, are you coming to the gig? And I go, well, I would if I had a ticket. He goes, well, put her on the list. And the production manager's like, I, she doesn't even, he's like, no, put her on the list. Put her on the list. Get her name and put her on the list. And he goes, and I'm having a little gathering after the gig at my hotel. I have a conference room in um, the Hilton Hotel. I think it was room 1102. It was 1100 something. And um, will you be able to make it? And I go, oh, I'll have to ask. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> I, my Aunt Karen, my curfew was like 11 o'clock. I did not make it home on time, needless to say. So I was ecstatic, but keeping my cool, okay? You can't show that you're too excited because then you come across as a crazy fan or something like that. And I was like... I do give foot massages and back massages if anyone's, if anyone's, you know, interested. He goes, oh, that sounds lovely. Maybe after the gig, you know. So um, I watched the show by myself. I was all alone. It was stunning. This was the Sirius Moonlight Tour. They played um, Life on Mars and fashion and heroes and Let's Dance. It was a combination of old hits and young stuff. It was, uh, and he had twins on stage these two I think they were also blonde two guys that um I think they were backup singers and dancers apparently they're from Hartford and Bowie promised them that he was going to go meet their parents and have dinner at their house so I arrived um, at the hotel before the show was even over I did not want to take any chances and get get locked out of that party. I didn't want to be late or anything. So I was there before anyone else. There was just people setting caterers there. They were setting up the food. It was like a, a conference room. It wasn't a bedroom. It was um, a double wide room with a lot of tables set up and food and drinks and everything you could possibly want. And they're like, oh, you're supposed to be. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm early, you know. And um I was I was snacking and keeping my eye on the door. I kept people kept coming in slowly, piling in. I recognized some of the band; they were coming in. Um, I kept my eye on the door. David wasn't there yet. Everybody else was there, except David and those twins. <clears throat> so I saw David walk in, and he said hi to some people, and then he went to the bathroom. I went also to the bathroom and I knocked a little bit on the door and opened the door and he was sitting on the floor with his back up against the bathtub opening a bottle of champagne and he seemed a bit drunk yeah I mean not not wasted but he was definitely he definitely had a few and I'm like oh do you need some help and I locked the bathroom door all right I wanted to see if David Bowie was gay because everyone kept saying, oh, he's gay and he didn't look gay to me. He didn't seem gay to me. He was just fucking gorgeous. Yes, I wanted some David Bowie action, okay? Um, wouldn't you? Don't even dare judge me because you know you would too. So he's sitting there on the floor. I think he had suspenders on. He, he was, oh, he's so handsome. And um, he had this like Elvis blonde hair going on. It was fucking hot. And... I 
straddled him. Okay. I have pants on. He has pants on. Nobody was naked at all. I'm, I'm facing him and we have the champagne bottle in between us. And I'm trying to help him open the bottle and pop, it opens and we both take a little swig. And then we started kissing. Unbelievable kisser. I think he tasted like cigarettes though. I remember a cigarette taste, but I didn't care. Who cares? And then he goes, oh, those are nice meaning my boobs. So I take the spaghetti straps down a little bit and he starts playing with my boobs and kissing my boobs and everything's going great and I'm grinding and we both still have pants on, okay? We're grinding and it's just getting hot, all right? It's getting hot. We're making out and um, not a care in the world, like in heaven, actually, in heaven to be making out with David Bowie. Um, then there's knocking on the door of obviously other people are going to want to use the bathroom. So we ignore it and we keep, we're giggling and making out and he's still playing with my boobs. I'm enjoying this so much. Okay. He has no idea how old I am. I don't even know how old he was. It doesn't matter. It was fucking great. But the, the knocking started to get angrier and angrier. And he's like, Oh, you better get that. So I put my spaghetti straps back on tuck away my boobs, get my bolero in place, and I, um, my purse. Um, I open the door, and a woman sticks her head in, and I recognize this woman. I saw her um, earlier. I saw her backstage. Apparently, this is Coco, who was his very protective assistant or manager or something. She goes, doing in here and 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 she looks on the floor and she sees David and then she sees me and she goes oh no 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 and she grabs me by my hair and all in one go pulls me out of the bathroom because the bathroom was towards um the entrance of the the hotel room the, the conference room so she opens up the hotel room door <laughs> and throws me out in the hallway by my hair and shuts the door. And I, I'm i not even going to knock and try to come back in. That's, that was an obvious farewell. So she didn't even ask David, do you want to get rid of this girl? She just did it. Uh, he was probably married at the time. I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to guess when he married the, you know, his beautiful wife, Iman. Isn't her name Iman? David Bowie marriage. If he was married, I'm very sorry that I was kissing a married man at the time. Um, let's see, when did they get married? Hmm. Careers. It looks like they got married in 1990. So I don't think I was kissing a married man. (sighs) Hope not, because that's really not cool. But when you're 15, you don't think about this stuff, do you? Now, it's just like ridiculous. How many wives did Debbie Bowie have? Um, hmm. I don't think he was married. He might have had a girlfriend. If he did, let's see. Okay. 
Angie. Okay, so he got divorced in 1980 from Angela Bowie. And then in 1992, he married his Somali wife, Iman. Okay, so there you go. I was not kissing a married man in 1983. He was not married. He could have been dating her or someone else. But, yay, I was not kissing a married man. Anyways, I go down to the lobby of the hotel. Um, my feet are killing me. And I ask the front desk to call my Aunt Karen. Let's see if I can remember the phone number. 203-875-1092. Yes, that was our landline. That was our house number. 14 Penfield Avenue. 203-875-1092. 875-1092. Yeah, isn't that a miracle? Because I can't even remember like my best friend's cell number right now. Because back then you had to use your memory. <laughs> To remember numbers. Now you just click on a contact and there's that. 203-875-1092. That was my home number at my granddad's house. I woke up my Aunt Karen. It was like one in the morning or something. Uh, maybe even 1.30. She was so pissed. She's like, I'm going to throw your fucking Rolling Stones shit out in the fucking trash. She was wicked pissed. She came to pick me up. She was... And she was even more pissed when she saw me wearing her shoes. I forgot to, you know, change my shoes back. She was so mad. But um, I was like, I just made out with David Bowie. She's like, she kind of, she kind of forgave me because of that. <laughs> she was like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah. She's like, did you get his number? I'm like, no. I mean, how? Did you give him your number? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, whatever. So... You know, I mean, and I was not there massaging. This is the beginning of my career where I was sometimes massaging and sometimes getting lucky. So, yeah, I mean, that's David Bowie. You can judge me if you want, but fuck you because I got to make out with David Bowie. So there. Um, if you don't like it, too bad. I'm not sure how much longer I can go on tonight, but I will be building onto this book part three, okay? So this is just as much as I can do right now because it's late and I'm really tired. But I will be coming back to this. This is book part three. I'm going to be building on, you know, because there's lots of other fun stuff happened that summer. It was um, fucking amazing. And then we'll talk about <laughs> how much they could not stand Dot Jagger at Rockville High School, but that didn't happen till September. So we're leaving off here with the David Bowie show, July 1983 in Hartford, Connecticut. That was July 16th, 1983, but we didn't make out until July 17th in the wee hours. <laughs> no regrets, people. Zero, zero regrets. Well, actually, I regret that we didn't fuck because that would have been great. And that wasn't even the last time I saw him, by the way. But that was the only time that anything inappropriate happened. We, we made out. We kissed. Okay, that's it. So I'll get back to you on this. This is book part three. And I only just started on book part three. I'm going to build on to it. So, by the way, the thumbnail of this podcast, book part three, 
you'll see that there's a picture of me and it was June 26, 1983. I was 15. I was backstage at the Def Leppard show and Crocus was the opening act. And this is a picture of me in the dressing room of Crocus. And just for fun, the singer of Crocus, his name is Mark from Switzerland. He said I should try on one of his little stage costumes for the picture. So that's what the thumbnail is about. Wake up your sleepy head Put on some clothes, shake up your bed Put another log on the fire for me I made some breakfast and coffee Look out my window, what do I see? A crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me All the nightmares came today And it looks as though they're here to stay What are we coming to? No room for me, no fun for you. I think about a world to come where the books were found by the golden ones, written in pain, written it all by a puzzled man who questioned what we were here for. All the strangers came today, and it looks as though they're here. Faces in golden rays Don't kid yourself, they belong to you They're the start of the coming race The others are bitch, we finished our news Homo sapiens have outgrown their use All the strangers came today And it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, you pretty thing 